At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what God's Word has for us today. Romans chapter 5, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we, we love you. It is so great for us to come and sing songs of praise. What a sobering weekend of remembrance for our country. We remember 9-11 20 years ago, the loss of life, the face of evil, the inadequate attempts at seeking justice. Father, you alone weigh the nations on the scales. You alone can bring life. We thank you for Jesus and his dominion over death by his own death and his sovereign power to give life, new life, eternal life, life in this age with the flavor of the age to come. Father, right now we want to give ourselves to your word. We know that your word is life to us in Christ. And so we pray that you would open our eyes, the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our mind to receive, to receive what you have for us in this glorious letter. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, and where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The word of the Lord. I believe I shared with you before that one of my pet peeves is wasting food. So what this translates to in my house is that I am the human garbage disposal. You know, any leftovers no one's going for end up in my lunchbox. Now, when the item is questionable, because it's been more than a few days, I try to give it to the dog, but my wife won't allow it. She'd rather I eat it and suffer the consequences of my sins, or not my sins, my actions, huh? 
<laughs> Oops. Then give it to the dog. Now, <laughs> now, what does that say about my relative value in the house? But no, but seriously, most times I love leftovers. And last week, I got to bring to work this salmon dish that my wife makes that's become a family favorite. You know, we got the recipe from Becky Trivellino, And since then, it's become a family favorite. We've been hooked on it. The sauce is made from honey, garlic, and soy sauce. And so I was looking in the fridge, you know, for what to bring to work the next day. And I came upon the container that had the last piece of fish, and it was swimming in the sauce. And so I just stuffed a bunch of rice in there, and that's what I took. So the next day I was here, and I was working, and, uh, and I was actually working on this sermon. And it was time for lunch, and so I went and I heated up the food and sat down to eat. And I mixed it up a little bit, but, you know, but, but, but wasn't able to very much because it was jam-packed in there. And so 10 minutes later, you know, I've been eating through this thing, and I'm halfway through. I eat slowly, you know. Also, I was thinking through the sermon. I wanted to bless you. And so, um, so I'm eating through this thing. I'm halfway through. And as I keep eating, the food started tasting better and better. And I was so happy. And it tasted better because I was finally getting to the part that was soaked through with the sauce, you know what I'm talking about, right? When you're eating rice, it's all about the sauce, right? And so I was finally getting to the last part with the juiciest chunks of salmon and the most honey, garlic, soy sauce-soaked grains of rice, and it was to die for. So good. You need to get the recipe from Becky or from Anna. But here's the thing. The Christian faith gets better and better the more you chew on it and get to the juicier parts. And Romans, listen, Romans is one of the juiciest. I talk to Christians who are bored with their faith. They're bored with the faith and I feel for them because I've been there. But I also know that part of the problem is that they're not getting to the juicier parts. They're not allowing the messiness of their lives their disappointment with romantic love, their stress at work, their mounting financial pressure to make contact with the glory of God. They're not tasting, tasting and seeing that God is good. And so Romans is your friend in this endeavor. And we've entitled the series Newish to bring out the radical transformation that Jesus brings to his followers, but also the sobering reality that for many Christians, that change has only been superficial. So there is the ocean that is the Christian life, but they're living kind of here, hovering right here, barely ever making contact with it, dying in the heat of life. You need to make contact. You need to get hooked on God, get to the juicier part of the faith, and you're gonna see amazing things happen because with the coming of Christ, everything's changed. Have you? Now, today we get into a passage that is so important for our theology. It shows us how God views humanity in a way that we may not. In fact, we have strong instincts in the opposite direction. We're going to see that our lives are ruled by one act from one man. If, I, if someone were to ask you, who are the two most important individuals to ever live, what would you say? The answer the scripture gives us today is Adam and Jesus. In Adam, death reigns. In Adam, death reigns. Now, the passage that we started our series with last week had a strong theme of hope. 
And Paul continues that theme as he explains in this section the defeat of humanity's greatest foes, sin and death. Look at verse 12. He says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Now, Paul begins to explain that sin came into the world through one person, Adam, And through sin, then death came into the world. He's clearly talking about Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and received the penalty of death. Spiritual death came right away. They were instantly alienated from God. And then after that came physical death. First spiritual death, then physical death. But he says death spread to all men because all sinned. All sinned? Wait a minute. I thought Adam and Eve sinned. You see, this is where this statement draws our attention to the representative role that Adam has for the whole human race. When Adam sinned, something changed fundamentally for humanity. No human being ever again was born sinless. Of course, apart from Christ, no one else was born sinless. Sin was in the spiritual DNA, is in the spiritual DNA of the race, so to speak. And like a virus, sin spread and so did death. And because we have this sinful nature and we come in this state of spiritual death that we've inherited from our first parents early on in life, as soon as we have a chance, we begin to sin. Now, G.K. Chesterton was a great theologian of the early 20th century, and he said that of all the Christian doctrines, the doctrine of original sin or original corruption, inherited corruption, it goes by many names, that doctrine is the one that is empirically verifiable. What he meant is that all people, everywhere, at all times, without exception, sin, and we can all see it. We don't have to be taught to sin. Parents know this. Children are born hardwired to lie, snatch, push, blame. And if you think your child is an exception, you probably only have one. (laughs) Give your child a sibling and you will see. So Paul goes on in verse 13. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who is to come. Okay, so Paul here is clarifying that sin was in the world long before the law of Moses was given. Now, the clarification is needed because previously in Romans, Paul has said things like this. Through the law comes knowledge of sin, chapter 3, verse 20. Where there is no law, there is no transgression, 4.15. And so the law of God defines sin for us. We'll talk more about this in coming weeks. But the point to make now is this. If the law defines sin for us, then why is Paul talking about sin being in the world prior to the law being given. And the answer that he gives here is death. Because death was in the world from Adam to Moses. There was all this whole period of death. We know that sin was in the world because death comes as a result of sin. So here's the progression that he's giving us. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And with that disobedience, sin entered the world, death entered the world. 
That's the first thing. Then from Adam to Moses, in this whole time, it was a very long period of time, sin was in the world. How do we know? Because death was in the world. And then from the time of the law of Moses, sin became more sinful. What does that mean? Well, it means that now sin is not just wrongdoing, general wrongdoing. No, now sin is a direct violation of God's express will as written in his law. And the difference is not small. For example, say that one of my children sees Anna bring a bag of chocolates into the house. And she sees that Anna takes it into the closet and hides it. And so then later on when Anna's not around, the child comes into the closet and takes some of the chocolates. Now that child knows from their conscience that there's something wrong with what they've done. Okay, now assume the same thing. So Anna comes in with a bag of chocolates, she hides it in the closet, but this time after doing that, she calls a general assembly. And so she calls all the children in and she tells them in plain English, these chocolates are not for you, do not touch them. But the child still goes later on and gets the chocolates. Do you see the difference? Now it's no longer just an issue of conscience. Now the issue is a direct violation of what parents have said. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, yes, the law was given so that people would know what sin is. And with the giving of the law, sin becomes even more sinful because now people are able to see that they're breaking what God says. They know clearly what God has said, and we still break it. We still violate it. Now, before the law came, sin was in the world. How do we know? Because death was in the world. That's what he's saying. What he's saying is Adam's transgression was a direct violation of the word of God in Genesis 2.16 where he says, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you will die. The people that have sinned after uh, Adam's transgression and before the law, they did not violate God's express word, but they are not thereby excused. And so then Adam says, or Paul says, and Adam was a type, a type of the one who was to come who is, which is Jesus Christ. And so in Adam, death reigns. In Jesus, grace reigns. Now this passage just starts building into this crescendo because now we get into the many contrasts that Paul brings out to, 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 to show us this superb quality of the one act performed by Jesus. Because remember, our lives, and this is every single person on earth, our lives are ruled by one act from one man. Look at verse 15. Let's take these one verse at a time because they are packed with juice. 5.15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. So notice the emphasis here on the free gift. Actually it comes up five times in these three verses. And I want you to circle them as we go through because it's going to do you good on Wednesday or during the week. What Jesus gives to us is a free gift, free to us, costly to himself. 
And he says the gift, the free gift is not like the trespass. How is it different? Well, it's not that Adam did something good and Jesus did something better. No, it's that Adam did something atrocious and Jesus did something superb. Through Adam, many died, he says. Through Adam, many died. But through Jesus, the grace of God, packaged now in the free gift of Jesus' cross, abounded to the many. And so through Adam, Adam introduced death into the world. Jesus introduced the prince, a new principle into the world, and that is the principle of grace. Grace, the grace of God, is God's favorable disposition toward us always and his power to transform us. And that grace that Christ has introduced into the world is not dispensed to us drop by drop. Mm -mm, It comes in a downpour. Verse 16, and the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. So now we get into the results, the consequences of the one act. And he says that here's another difference. Adam's trespass brought condemnation. Jesus' one act of righteousness brought justification. Condemnation refers to God's judgment over humanity because of sin. Justification refers to God's vindication of humanity. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you are placed in right standing before God. Right then and there, that moment that your faith in him is genuine. And you will be in right standing with God into eternity and beyond. But I want you to look at the power of the cross. Look at what he says. He says, the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. By the time Jesus came to earth, humanity had committed billions upon billions of trespasses. I mean, sin and death had reached infinite proportions. It's like when someone who has advanced cancer goes for cancer screening and the pictures come back and the doctors look at them and the cancer is everywhere. And I mean, there is nothing to do for this person. They're gone. That was the human condition. And yet... Jesus' one act on the cross has the power to overturn the results of those billions of trespasses. This is what he does for us. And this is true for you. The free gift following the sins that you've done and will do brought justification. You, by faith in Christ, will always be in right standing before God. Already this is true, always this will be true. Isn't that amazing? Yes, verse 17, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So now the contrast is between death and Christians and who has dominion. That word dominion is important here. It's translated as reign five times. Look at them. Verse 14, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Verse 17, death reigned through that one man. Again, 17, those who receive the abundance of grace, 
reign in life. Verse 21, as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness. To reign means to have dominion over, to have control over, to have power over. You see, in Adam, death reigns. Death touches every single human life. If you watched anything about 9-11 yesterday just as an act of remembrance, you, you know what I'm talking about. We, we feel it. We feel the dominion of death all over. It's one thing to talk about death in the abstract as we're doing here. It's another thing when you're faced with it. Death touches every single life. Death is the weapon of sin. It's a master, a, a ruthless, ghastly master, sovereign over all kingdoms and cultures and peoples. Death laughs. It laughs at the rich. It laughs at the poor. It laughs at the learned and the ignorant. Death claims every son and daughter of Adam and covers the earth in the stench of a black shroud. Death reigns. You know this. But then Paul says, but through the one man, Jesus Christ, those who receive the abundant grace and the free gift will reign in life. But notice what he's done. Paul did not say in Adam, death reigns. In Jesus, life reigns. That is true, but that's not how he wrote it. The way he wrote it is wonderful. He says in Adam, death reigns. But those who have received the grace of God and the free gift reign in life. We reign. Christians reign. Do you see this? That's the contrast. Death reigns, yes, in Adam. But in Jesus, Christians reign. We have dominion in life. We have life that's been given to us the moment that we come to faith. And it's a life that goes on and will never end. Yes, death will still touch our bodies. Although it cannot break apart our fellowship or the love of God in our lives. But even with our bodies, death cannot have the last word. For at the return of Christ, our souls will be reclothed in flesh and blood that death can't touch. Do you see why the free gift that comes to us through Jesus Christ cannot be called newish? Newish is a pair of jeans four weeks after you buy them. Listen, the life of the world to come has come into our present, stolen the reign of death and made us kings and queens of the new world. Do you believe it? Are you, are you tasting the, the greatness of the life that's been given to us in Christ yet. Are you tasting this? This only gets better and better. Look at verse 18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. So Paul now wants us to think on the two trees that seal the fate of all humanity. The first tree is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree that Adam and Eve went up to. They wanted its fruit. They desired the wisdom that it promised and they loved how it looked. God's word to them faded into the background. They took a bite from it, and the lights went out. 
as they plunged all of humanity after them into sin and condemnation. That's the first tree. But the other tree is the tree on which Jesus was cursed. The tree to which Jesus was nailed. The tree on which Jesus, the righteous one, carried the billions upon billions of trespasses from humankind and nailed them to the cross, draining them from their poison. Colossians 2.13, but you who are dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Christ, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He set it aside and nailed it to the cross. You see, to Adam, God said, stay away from that tree. Let my word, my love, my provision be your all. Adam despised God. To Jesus, God said, climb on that tree. Be pierced for their transgressions. Bring my children back to me. Undo by your death the death, the reign of death that Adam has brought to the entire human race. And Jesus loved God. He obeyed God. You see, not all men and women stay condemned. Not all men and women receive justification in life. And the difference is, are you in Adam or in Christ? Because our lives will be ruled for all eternity by one act from one man. And then in verse 19, he says, For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now, please do not miss what Paul is saying here. The way that we read our Bibles and our hearts are predisposed is to think that Adam's disobedience made us sinners. Therefore, our obedience makes us righteous. It's so easy to go down this path. I think that when we are honest, we, we can sense it in ourselves every day, multiple times. Think about this. Why are you here? Why do you come to church? Why do you read the Bible? Why do you pray? Why do you give to the mission of the church? Why do you speak truth instead of lie? Bless instead of curse your enemies. Remain sexually chaste instead of giving in to your lustful desires. Lift up the oppressed instead of indulging in comfort. Why? Why do you do these things? If we're honest with ourselves, there's something deep within us that believes that such things make us acceptable before God, righteous before God, good. And Romans 5.19 is here to tell you, no, they do not. So what's the role of these things in our lives? Because we're doing them, right? Romans 6 gets into this. So be here the next few weeks. Before today, do not miss Romans 5.19. By one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. It's not your good deeds. It's not your obedience that makes you righteous. It's one man's obedience. So is your heart, come on, is your heart swelling up with love for that one man? Do you see his grace, his free gift, the kingdom that he's ushered you into. You see, as real as death is, and as much as it reeks, 
so is the greatness of life times infinity we have in Christ. And so the question is, are you in Adam or in Christ? Because we have one representative or the other. You will not stand before God on your own and pass. In Adam, we're sunk. In Christ, we're acquitted. Which one are you in? Because in Adam, death reigns. In Jesus, grace reigns. In you, who reigns? This is the question that will split humanity down the middle for all eternity. And if you're still in Adam, then the stench of death will go with you wherever you go. No house will be nice enough. No neighborhood safe enough. No promotion shiny enough. Spiritual death will be your closest friend all the days of your life until physical death catches up to it and takes your breath away. But there is, there is one way to escape the stench of death. Relish, relish the free gift and the abundance grace that comes to us by the one man, Jesus Christ. So listen to how Paul ends the chapter. Verse 20. Now the law came in to increase the trespass. What? But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, so remember 5.13. Sin is not counted where there is no law. So after Adam, sin was in the world, as we said, but only when God gave the law of Moses was the world, humanity, faced with the seriousness of sin, the seriousness of our rebellion, and so law came to increase the trespass. Now, this was a blow to the Jews because the Jews believed that the law had been given to give life, to teach right from wrong, to restrain from evil. But they found, as you and I find, that by law, the human heart cannot conquer sin. By law, the human heart cannot conquer sin. I mean, you know this. Think about it. You know, when you're on the road and you're driving down the road and you see a sign that says 45 speed limit, does your heart go, of course. <laughs> Say no more. I myself was just thinking of downshifting. How aligned am I with the universe? Oh, our heart goes, Why? 50, 55 is just as fine by me. You see, when we see a law, we realize how much we want to break it. When we see a law, we see how much we want to set up our own law. That's why Paul tells us the law was given to shine the spotlight on sin. So that humanity would know how sinful we are. And so that as sin increased by the knowledge of the law, grace would increase all the more. You see, the law had to be given, people, so that we would see just how powerful sin is and how powerless humanity and Adam was to conquer it so that at just the right time, the second Adam could come and introduce a new principle, the principle of grace, and show that grace is twice as abundant and doubly more powerful than sin. 
Sin is a villain. Death is its weapon, but neither one is a match for Jesus Christ. You know, today is the tennis U.S. Open final for men's singles. Um, we'll see what happens. But in the 90s, the German tennis player Boris Becker was one of the best players. And Boris Becker said that when he played his best, theoretically, he could defeat the American tennis player Pete Sampras. But he also said that if he showed up to the court and played his very best, and Sampras showed up to the court and he also played his very best, Sampras would always win. Because Sampras' best was always better. Listen, sin and death are formidable enemies for, to humanity. But neither one is a match for Jesus Christ. Jesus will always win. He will always win against sin and death. And so are you in Adam or in Christ? Because there's no middle ground. I get concerned for people who think they're in Adam and in Christ, but nothing about their life shows that they're in Christ. They look like they're just in Adam. They only know Adam. And so throw yourself upon the mercy of Christ. Which one are you in? You know, Adam was made to rule the earth. Instead, he opened the door to sin and death, and now they reign over all of Adam's race. See, our problem is far bigger than we think it is. Oftentimes, when people are recounting their life prior to Christ, they'll say things like, yeah, I made many mistakes in my younger years. Or they'll say things like, yeah, I, I partied hard in my younger years. Listen, those things were the least of your problems. The problem for all of us is that we are dead in our trespasses. In Adam, we are dead in our trespasses. Dead. You sin, cheat, lie, crave, lust, rage, because you're dead. You're dead in Adam. The list, the long list we can all make of our sins is the result of being dead. Which is why the free gift is so amazing. Because Christ comes and he nails it to the cross. He nails the record of dead that stands against us with all its legal demands. And he sets it aside. Grace come in. But you see how the free gift is not like the trespass. It's not like the trespass. The trespass brought death. The free gift brings life, which is harder. Which is harder to do? To give life or to kill? Which is harder to do? To build or to tear down? You know, we were thinking about 9-11 yesterday, 20th anniversary. And I can still just see the, the soot that started raining down into our backyard in Brooklyn later that day and the next couple of days from the towers. And we have friends that worked in Wall Street that walked through the Brooklyn Bridge and came to our door covered in ash that day. Do you know how long it took to build the Twin Towers? 14 years. It took another eight years to build the Freedom Tower that's standing there now in its, their place. How long did it take to bring the Twin Towers down? One hour and 42 minutes. Because it's easier to tear down than to build up. It's much easier to kill than to give life. No one can give life 
except God alone. But it's much easier to tear down. It's why when Jesus is looking at the Jewish temple and he says, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days, his opponents look at him and say, are you insane? It's taken us 46 years to build this temple and you would rebuild it in three days? But that's the kind of power that the second Adam has to take death and with a word, turn it into life. Nobody, listen, nobody has that power. But that's the free gift that's available to you by the one man's righteous act. It's not your righteous act, it's his one righteous act. Avail yourself of it. Because it's not as if Jesus accomplished this by his divine power turning death into life effortlessly. No, it's his obedience. It's his submission. It's his humiliation, his hunger, his sweat, his tears, his blood. That's how he did it. Think of Adam in the Garden of Eden, despising the word of God. Think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood because of the task ahead of him to carry the billions of trespasses from the masses of humanity up that tree, that cursed tree, and nail them there, draining them of their poison. Avail yourself of the free gift. He did it, the righteous one. And he never, not once, despised God's word. Not once. He did it because he loves the Father. He did it because he loves you, child of Adam. The stench of Adam will cling to your soul until the second Adam, Jesus Christ, washes you clean by his blood. In Adam, death reigns. In Jesus, grace reigns. In you. Who reigns? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word this glorious passage, helping us understand what happened on that cross. We sing about this cross every Sunday, and we will for all eternity. But sometimes we don't know why, why, why do we, why do we sing about it? Thank you for Romans opening our eyes, helping us get to the juiciest parts of our faith to see the glory of our King, and how he has overturned what no one else could. He has conquered sin. He has conquered death. And he's done so on our behalf. Father, we love him. Teach us to love him. Father, I pray for anyone who's still in Adam. That you 
would grant them the faith to come to you, to yield themselves, to surrender all before our king, before their king. Father, thank you for giving us your church. Thank you for giving us community and fellowship. A place where we gather in your name today and throughout the week to work out into our lives what it means to follow the Messiah, what it means to love the Messiah, love what he loves hate what he hates teach us God form us shape us into his likeness but thank you Lord that it's not our righteousness but his righteousness by which we reign in life thank you for your reign Lord Jesus and thank you for sharing it with us we love you we worship you in your name we pray amen Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.